Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. podcast from the canon and SB Nation blog about your Columbus Blue Jackets. I'm your host PD and I'm joined this week by Dale Bloom. How's it going Dale? It's going well PD. It's a happy President's Day. We're recording this on on Monday, President's Day. So um, we actually got to go out. We live about 30 minutes from um, a home of James Polk. So we got to go out there with the kids today and spent some time to, to celebrate President's Day. So that was that was pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah, he is one of the most underrated presidents. Uh, I appreciate that in just four years, he literally worked himself to death, died a few months (laughs) after leaving office. That's like, all right, you know, he did all he needed to do in one term. And, you know, it's pretty cool. That's right. All right. So the Jackets are having a good week as well. They have won seven of their last nine games. They went four and one on that five game road trip, which is the most points they've ever earned on a five game road trip which is pretty cool. Uh, then they came home on Sunday and beat Buffalo to sweep the season series against a bad team that they should be beating. So that is good news. The bad news for the Jackets is that for some reason, all of the goalies are getting hurt. Uh, obviously, Daniel Tarasov has been on the IR since January 1st. Uh, Jonas Corposalo uh, has been day-to-day with a lower body injury since last week. So, Jean-Francois Berube had been called up as an emergency recall to back up Elvis. And then Elvis apparently got hurt on Saturday in practice and was not able to play on Sunday, which means Berube had to start. Uh, And then the Jackets had to scramble for a backup. Uh, For that, they signed Jet Greaves to an ELC. He had been playing for Cleveland and Kalamazoo on a minor league contract. Now he is signed to the two-way NHL deal on an ELC. That is a three-year deal because he's still just 20 years old, so uh, good for him to get that. Now, we had not been getting very good goaltending even from Elvis, but uh, are you worried about the current goalie situation now? No, I'm I'm not that worried, really. I I guess it comes in in a couple different forms, too. You know, as as we've kind of talked about quite a bit this season, is the defensive play has been as such to where – these goalies, the confidence level has to be struggling. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, you play these Carolinas and these and these Floridas and these teams that have put up seven, eight, nine goals 
on your team, and a lot of them are just you just have no chance. Yeah, the defense leaves you hanging out to dry, and and all of that. And but I will say that it is a little bit concerning how often our goalies have been getting injured this year. It seems, and I think even going back to last year, I think Corpy and Elvis um, also spent a little time out as well from from minor injuries. So, you know, it kind of makes you wonder about the health, the the strength and conditioning of the goalies. If something needs to be needs to be changed there, you know, your your thoughts on that, PD? Yeah, no, that's a very good point uh, because I noticed I was had to double check before the show and like, oh yeah, for each of these goalies, it's a lower body injury. Now, of course, that is such a vague thing. It could be anything from could be a toe, know, to, right. toe to hip or whatever. <laughs> um, it's yeah, such you know, it's the hockey vagueness for no good reason. Um, but yeah, it, it does make you wonder. Um, you know, I know that there was a time there where. For a couple of years, Bob had nagging injuries to his groin, you know, and it took the team bringing in uh, Nelson Ayotte to be their high performance coach. And he gave Bob a whole new workout routine because um, I think Bob like loved to hit the exercise bike. And he's like, nope, that's that's not good for your groin. You're going to do some some different cardio here. And um, and then he was fine from that point, didn't have that issue. So, you know, if this is a if these are stress type injuries, then yeah, they need to maybe reconsider what kind of conditioning they're doing. Um, now, if these are contact injuries, um, you know, various poles or fractures or things like that, like, well, you know, that happens in the game. It's a contact sport. You really can't control that. It's just just bad luck. Um, it's unfortunate to have all these injuries coincide all at once. I am curious about the timing because... Elvis was starting every game of that road trip. And that didn't really make sense to me. I mean, obviously there was time off between each of those games, so it's not like workload was too much of an issue. But, you know, it was going on to be pretty long since Corpy had gotten a start. And we know that Corpy is not good at all with Rust. So you need to get him regular work just to keep him sharp. Also, if the plan is to trade him, you want him to play so you could be showing him off. So I'm curious, you know, when he was reported as being day-to-day, whether had that been nagging him for a while, is that what kept him from starting? Um, I asked Brian Hedger that on Twitter, and he seemed to think that it was more of a recent injury. So again, that's maybe just, you know, bad timing that he'd been sitting out and maybe a chance to start was blown because suddenly he was banged up. Yeah. You know, also the interesting thing organizational wide is, is the goalie depth. Um, I think that's an interesting topic too, because now you have your arguably your, your top three goalies um, adding Tarasov into that, that are down with injuries. Right. And right. so you have to bring up Barube um, and you have to sign Greaves beyond that. I mean, Cam Johnson, I mean, you, they didn't call him up for a reason. I think that was noted by several of the beat writers as well as, as being curious that, um, you know, it seems like that maybe he's fallen so far down the organizational depth chart that, you know, he shouldn't be considered a call up anymore. Um, I was actually surprised that they didn't pick a goalie in the draft last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought at least they would pick one up in a later round. Um, I was, was even, I even wouldn't have been against them picking up one of the first round goalies with that Kuhlman's pick. Mm, um, sure. If that had, had ended up, 
you know, falling into their lap. Um, but obviously Kuhlman's is, is proven to be a great pick, but I think you can probably, um, you can pencil in a goalie pick this year by the Blue Jackets just simply because the organizational depth issues, because you lose Corpus Allo, you know, this summer, or mm-hmm. even if you're able to trade him at the deadline, that leaves um, four, essentially four goalies, right? Um, so if you, if you have one or two go down to injury, you could, you could quickly find yourself in, in a bind. Yeah, and this is not the first time that we've run into this issue where a number of goalies get hurt. And we see this happen with, you know, at least one team every year where like they're down to their fourth or fifth guy. Mm-hmm. We've seen this happen to, you know, Colorado in the playoffs or Vegas in the regular season. Like you have to be prepared that this could happen. You need to have enough guys that you could maybe count on. I would agree with you that they need to be drafting a goalie at least every other year just to have prospects in the pipeline and knowing that they're not all going to work out, but at least you have some options. Um, I believe that they do still hold the rights to Peter Tomei, who they drafted a while back. Um, he's just, he's been in college for a long time. I think he's taking advantage of the extra COVID year of eligibility. I completely tra- forgot about him. He's transferred a couple times. I had to, I wasn't sure that we still had the rights, but He's still in college, so I think until he's done, you know, we still have those rights. So I think we'd, we'd probably have to sign him this spring if we were going to. I don't know if that'll happen. I don't know if he's even worth it, but he's out there. Um, I, Jet Greaves is now officially one of our goalie prospects because he is on that ELC. So he is under our control for two seasons after this one. He's still just 20 years old. He's got an awesome name. Awesome name. So apparently his, <laughs> his his given first name is Calvin, uh, but Jet is his middle name. And as Jeff Savota said, uh, yeah, if you had the middle name Jet, you would go by that too, wouldn't you? And yeah, <laughs> he's got a point. Uh, it's a great name. He's still just 20 years old. He didn't get to play at all last season because the OHL didn't have a season. Um, you know, I was just looking up his numbers. Not super impressive there or this year. They've been fine not stellar. You know, he's around a 900 save percentage around, you know, three plus goals against average. Um, but he's, he's 10 and five with Kalamazoo this year in the ECHL. Um, this is, this is where it's nice that the jackets once again, made an ECHL affiliation. So they've got a spot where they can send a young goalie like that to get his reps when they're not there to be had in Cleveland. Um, so I, I was really impressed by the way that he played in Traverse city. You know, he was added to the roster. They're just kind of a, a tryout guy. Uh, he got to play because Tarasov wasn't available. And, uh, you know, he played pretty well. Um, you know, came into camp, got some preseason reps. Uh, so I'm glad to see. It was nice that he got at least a minor league contract out of that. And apparently the team has seen enough from him to decide it was worth spending one of their ELC spots on him. And so it gives us another another option of goalie depth. I don't think he's going to become anything great ever or even an NHL backup level guy. But if he's a, one of these quad a tweeners that could bounce back and forth, you know, and maybe be mostly an AHL starter, but then come up to Columbus when necessary, that's tremendous, perfectly fine for, especially for a guy that you just, you know, signed off the streets as an undrafted guy. So that's fine. And then, yeah, add, add another prospect, in one of the late rounds of the summer. And then again, every year or two after that. So there's always, you know, one or two in the pipeline um, for the future. 
Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. You know, if you can have that number three guy in your organization that can play an NHL game and, and give you a chance to win, um, you know, that's just that's just good organizational depth if you can get to that point. Yeah, and you know, credit to Baruby. Uh I wasn't sure what to expect from him uh coming in on kind of short notice on Sunday, but I thought he looked he you know, he's a little shaky in the early going. Uh credit to the Jackets defense. I mean, it was you know, past the 10 minute mark, Buffalo got their first goal and just their second shot. It was like 14 to two in shots <laughs> at that point. So the defense was helping him out a lot. And so he's a little rusty there, but uh, you know, third period Buffalo really uh, put on the pressure and he didn't allow anything in. Uh, got, you know, 30 plus saves. And this is for a guy that had been nearly four years since his last NHL start. He's just been uh, doing his work in the AHL ever since then. He was in Cleveland in the 2019 season. Um, it's nice to see a guy like that, you know, not give up and, you know, accept his role as an AHL guy. And, you know, I think teams value guys that are willing to be in that role because it is important to be that guy in the AHL, to be that depth, to be that veteran, to help out the players at the AHL level and all that. Um, and then, you know, you know, when you're in that job, you have to always be ready for the call because you never know when it can come. And he was ready. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Uh, speaking of prospects, the Olympics wrapped up, and some jackets brought home hardware. Dmitry Voronkov on the Russian team, they won the silver medal. Uh, Finland, we didn't have any Finns. Yarma was no longer associated with them once they didn't have NHLers, but nice to see Finland win the gold medal. And then, as a surprise, Slovakia won the bronze. So Samuel Nazko, a young prospect for us, uh, he played in every game for Slovakia, uh, had one assist uh, in the tournament. So that is, uh, that's that's got to be quite a thrill for him. And even though he wasn't going up against NHLers, he was going up against professional adults. And playing in a high-pressure situation like that has got to be a great experience for him. Uh, and then finally, I you know I spoke last week about Kent Johnson. Unfortunately, Canada was bounced in the quarterfinals, but Johnson, who you know was going to be just an alternate, 
ended up playing all five games for Canada, got five points. Do you have any thoughts on what our prospects did there at the Olympics or any other general thoughts about the Olympics? Hey, you know, I, I admittedly uh, didn't didn't watch too much of it this go around. Um, you know, I, I didn't catch much of the hockey either. Um, you know, it's it disappointing. I, I watched a little bit of the of Canada just to watch Kent Johnson, um, and you know, he, he's a, he's a great watch for for those of you that have had a chance to to see him play, whether it's in World Juniors or uh, the Olympics or or with Michigan. Um, but but he's he, he's great, and I think as as Yarmo was quoted this past week as saying, as he he steps up at every level that he plays at, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I, I think that. Um, Scott Wheeler, for for those of you that were, had a chance to read his write up in the Athletic of the prospects, was really high on Kent Johnson, and I think that in the next year or two, when we see him come up to the NHL, I think we're going to see some some good things out of him right away. Um, and as far as the other guys too, I'm I'm really high on Nasco. I think that mm-hmm. he's got a good chance of of ended up ending up being a uh, a bottom four NHL defenseman. Um, you know, he, he's not going to put up a lot of points, but you know, this organization needs shut down guys that mm-hmm. can just play solid defense and, and be a, a body that can get the puck up the ice and, and, and stand in front of your own net. And I think Nazco can, can be that guy. He's got a lot of leadership skills too. He's captain the world junior team um, for several years in a row. And um, Veronkov too, you know, he's, he's a, um, he's, he's a big, he's a big boy, which is <laughs> what some of these, what the jackets need. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's good to see these guys have success. Um, you, you love as, as watching your prospects to get to go up against in these big tournaments yeah. to play against these guys, to be in these situations because it helps them um, and it helps them grow and, and it helps them be ready for that NHL level uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I do think with NASCO that we could be looking at a fairly quick timeline with him. I don't know what the organization's thoughts are, but he went from starting the season in Finland to coming over to the WHL. He's been playing with Seattle of the WHL because of being drafted out of Europe. He can, you know, go to the AHL next year. And um, I think he's 20 next year anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, either way. I would expect to see him in Cleveland next year. And I mean, imagine maybe him paired up with Jake Christensen. That could be a pretty formidable pairing in Cleveland. Um, and then you'd have those guys available to uh, come up on the third pair in uh, in Columbus here when necessary. So uh, he's one I'm very high on. Uh, Stanislav Sposal we've talked about is another defenseman who I feel pretty good about. So, you know, you take those two plus Corson Kuhlemans, um, and that's three defensemen that could contribute to our blue line uh, just a couple years down the line. In addition to an already young blue line, you know, Peak, Boquist, Bean, Wierenski, you know, all of these guys were on our top 25 under 25. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot of young options on defense, which is, uh, I know people have concerns about how the defense has been this year, but uh, it's clearly there is help on the way. Yeah, it's funny because you a year ago, you know, you you looked at the organizational depth on defense, and you would have shuddered a little bit and thought, "Man, where are these guys gonna, where are these guys gonna come from?" You know, you lose Savard, and um, you know, it, it was a little thin. I mean, you're, you're playing mm-hmm. Gabriel Carlson, who's been a disappointment, um, and some of these other guys calling up from the AHL and uh, struggled. Uh, but yeah, all of a sudden, 
a, a year makes a huge difference. So you look at the depth chart and you say, man, you're adding Bean and Boquist and you're thinking, all right, this this could be a really, really good core here in, in a few years. Yeah, and uh, speaking of defensemen, uh, shout out to Dean Kukin, who had a three-point game against Buffalo, including two goals. It was his first multi-goal game in his NHL career. I think he had, what, three regular three, season yep. goals <laughs> coming into it, and then he had two in that one. Um, just And even aside from the scoring, I thought he had a really strong game overall, just a great effort on both ends of the ice. Um, nice to see him rewarded. Uh, it seemed like his teammates are really appreciative of that as well because, uh, you know, they've seen the way that he has worked for years. A lot of these guys have played with him even down in Cleveland where he, you know, slaved for a while. Uh, I don't know that he has a future here. He's a unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. Um, you know, I, he hasn't really come up a lot in trade talks, but that's one that I think would be interesting to shop. I don't know what kind of value he would have. But I'd have to think there'd be a team out there savvy enough to see how good he would be as a third pair guy. And he would come pretty cheap too in terms of cap hit. So if there's a cap strapped team that needs some defensive depth for the postseason, I think you could do a lot worse than Kukin. And, you know, remember back in 2019 when Nudavara got hurt, Kukin was the one who stepped up on the second pair with Savard. And and that pair really didn't skip a beat. So uh, he's a guy that I've always thought was destined for greater things. And the combination of just other signings and injuries to him have just always gotten in the way. And it's been really frustrating to see. Um, really disappointing, I'm sure, for him as well. But uh, if he could get an opportunity for someone else in the postseason this year and take that into free agency, that could be pretty exciting for him. I think that's got a good chance of happening. He's a guy that's battled inconsistencies, but when he's been playing well and when he's at his best, there's no question in my mind that he's an NHLer. So it'd be great to see him get, get to uh, to move on and play some NHL games for a playoff team. And um, I think that he'll he'll get signed somewhere over the summer, um, even if it's just on a one year deal. Um, and he'll he'll be somewhere next year to play some games. I. I these guys, these depth defensemen that are good enough to play in the NHL are, they're a dime a dozen in my opinion. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guys around the league where they step in on injuries on the third pair and you go, I don't know about <laughs> this guy, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, good, good for him. And, and hopefully that he, if the Blue Jackets don't sign, re-sign him, that he'll land somewhere where he can continue to contribute. Yeah. I think there just be, would be a, a numbers crunch in terms of having him around because, you have Gavin Braver on a one-way deal next year, and then you'd maybe want to give a shot for a guy like Christensen or maybe Nazco to to come in mm -hmm. and, and fight for a spot. So you wouldn't want Kukin blocking them again. So that would mm -hmm. be my one concern there. But uh, yeah, we'll see. And he likely wouldn't. You know, he'd be in and out of the lineup if Bean was healthy, right? Uh, between him and Bayreuther. So you know, there's 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 some depth there. I agree that. Um, it's, it'll be kind of a tough call, I think. Yep, for sure. Uh, all right. Last week, you wrote a piece arguing for the Blue Jackets to pay the man. That is to sign Patrick Line. It's a great article. Made a lot of great arguments for why Line has earned that big contract. Uh, let me flip the script on you a little bit here. 
can you give me any reasons for why they shouldn't pay the man right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I think the only way that that happens is if somebody calls Yarmo up and, and blows him away with an offer, right, that, that he can't refuse, um, which unlikely, I mean, there's always the small chance that happens. Um, but I, I think it's unlikely and, uh, the way that he's just been playing recently, you know, we, then I mentioned in the article, I think last year, um, and in parts of this season, people were kind of wondering if, if this guy in Columbus was going to work out, mm-hmm. um, you know, the skill is, is obvious. The history is, is, you know, obvious of, of the, what he can do, um, with the puck and in terms of scoring goals. It was just a question of, is this the right team for him? Can he perform without a center? Um, and there was just a lot of questions swirling. And he he, he had a really good start to the year. And, had, you know, after the death of his father and after that big injury, not big injury, but after the injury, mm-hmm. he struggled. Mm-hmm. I think he had three points in 11 games. And people were going, kind of going, oh, here we go again. But I mean, he's just been lights out recently, yeah. and I think we're the light clicked on for him. I think whether whether it's the system, whether it's teammates, whether it is something personal, I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to say. But I mean, he's I mean, I think Jody uh, Shelley mm-hmm. on the broadcast last night, Sunday night um, against Buffalo, really pointed it out. You know, he was he was forechecking hard. He was making hits. Um, he was back checking. He was just fully engaged um, and just making a big difference on the ice. He's using his body more. Yeah. Um, and you know, 18 points in nine games, 10 goals. You know, this is this is the line. A he's streaky, and yeah. you're going to get streak. It's with any player like that, right? Um, but this is this is the player that you hope he would be, the player that he can be. Um, and I think there's there's not any reason other than somebody calling up Yarmo and offering him, you know, Zagris, right, for, yeah. for line A, that, that there's no reason that he shouldn't be in your future plans. Yeah, I, I would agree that he's streaky, and generally scores are streaky. It's just that last year and this year he had cold streaks that were longer than he had faced at any point in his Winnipeg career. Mm-hmm. Um, what he's doing now is uh, super impressive. Super fun to watch. You know, my question just is how sustainable is it? Now, I'm not Mm -hmm. expecting him to be a two-point-per-game guy like he's been during the streak. Um, But, you know, for the season, he's at, at like, you know, point per game. Um, You know, is that a realistic pace for him? Can he be an 82-point guy like Panarin was? Because I don't think he's a Panarin-type player. But he's also worth paying if he's consistently a 60-70-point to guy. You know, and a you know twenty-five to thirty-five goal guy, because uh, I I think you know there's still a chance he could hit thirty goals this year if he keeps up this pace. You know, uh, which I'm kind of I still want to see how the rest of the season pans out, um, just to see how long can he carry this hot streak? Because um, if he goes through another rough stretch yet this season. You know, I think you want to hedge your bets a little bit, mm-hmm. but it is encouraging to see that yes, he can hit his peak while he's here. Um, Aaron Portsline got quotes in separate articles from both Kekalainen and Line A. Each of them 
indicated that, you know, they were open to talking long-term deal. You know, Yarmo's happy with Line A. Line A says he likes the organization, likes his teammates, likes Columbus. Um, now, I'm not going to say that that means it's a done deal because it's mm-hmm. not. But the fact that they're both saying that publicly, that at least gets them to the table. And then it's just a matter of can they hammer out a length and a dollar amount that works for both of them. Um, and I hope they do because when he is playing like this, he's a special player and that is a weapon that any team would want. And it might as well be us to have that because that could be a weapon for us for years to come as we continue to add skill around the lineup. Um, and you're right. And it's not just the points. He is starting to finally do things away from the puck, which is what the Jacks have been saying for the minute they got him, that they felt that he was capable of doing more, that he could forecheck, that he could use his body, that he could battle for the puck. Um, and we just weren't seeing enough of that. Uh you know, I think it's, it almost seems like it's kind of tied into the confidence thing. I think that's why he's scoring more. He's shooting more because he has his confidence. Oh, these things are going to go in. And I wonder if that is also leading to him feeling more comfortable on the other end of the ice or away from the puck because he's just riding such a heater. Uh, the goal that Gaunt scored against Buffalo was set up by line A winning a battle in the defensive zone, getting the puck mm-hmm. in the middle of the defensive zone making a perfect pass up ice to an open Gaunts. And then Gaunts had, you know, nothing but daylight in front of him to score the breakaway goal. It was a tremendous play by line a to set that up. And it was so cool to see him making that kind of play and not just the skill play. Although it's amazing watching the skill plays because mm-hmm. he makes shots. It's like, I don't know how that, <laughs> that went in. There's no room for that puck to go in. And somehow it did. I can't remember which of the commenters said this in, in, in an article recently, but I thought it was a really good point. And, and they said that uh, Rick Nash should be out on the ice with Line A because Rick Nash is a skilled, skilled player with a big body. And he really did a good job of using his body. He used it defensively. He used it on offense. Um, what was the year that, that he played on, on Canada that they, they won the gold medal? 2010. 2010 i remember watching those games and rick nash was just lighting people up <laughs> you know he was just crushing people and then he'd go down and score a goal or, or make a nice pass you know and um this is the kind of player that line a has the potential to be he's six yeah. five he's a big guy he's fast he, he's been doing a great job recently and i think one of the things that has impressed me this season in, in particular with him is that he's kind of come out as as a playmaker a little bit more hmm. um yeah. even even in his hot streak at the beginning of the season uh, i think it was mostly assists yeah and you know he obviously he he has the potential to be a 40 50 goal scorer he had he has 44 once in his career but looking at his stats here his highest assist season was winnipeg at 35 now granted that was in 68 games so it could have been higher than that but 28 26 20 35 um you know those are good numbers but they don't jump off the page at you um, i think he has the potential to be higher than that especially what we've been seeing recently you know, can he be a 40 assist guy? Um, yeah. I think he can. He has the ability um, to do those things. And if he, even if he goes on a cold streak as far as scoring goals, mm-hmm. um, if he can contribute by still making plays and getting those assists and, and getting the puck to other people, 
um, that's going to even make him more valuable. Yeah, when the trade happened and I spoke with our uh, colleagues uh, that cover Winnipeg, you know, I asked for, you know, what is maybe something that was underrated about him. And they said that it was his passing, you know, that he's known as a shooter, but that he could also pass the puck really well. And we saw that in spurts last year, but not consistently enough. But yeah, we are seeing that more now. And that's really important because when he's on a hot streak like this and shooting so well, that's going to draw attention from teams which is then going to open up things for teammates. And so you get a guy like Voracek, who's not a shooter, but if you leave him wide open, line A can find him, and Voracek will shoot and maybe get some goals that way. And you look at some of these other guys, too, to that point. You know, Sillinger. You know, Sillinger, one of these days, whether it's next year or in two or three years, um, I think that light bulb is going to come on for him because he's yeah. got a really good shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about a guy like Kent Johnson, uh, Marchenko, yep. he's got a really good shot. So, you know, you think about one of these young guys that, that could turn into a, a good shooter in the NHL, um, you know, pop them on that line. He's had some chemistry with Bjorkster in lately. Um, so it's it's potential. There's there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, and, and it, you list off those names and it's like, and add in like Chinikov to that too. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, we have a lot of guys on the team that are good shooters. And even add in Orensky. I mean, he had mm-hmm. a forwards goal scoring yep. <laughs> goal against Buffalo, an absolute laser, you know, and Boquist, guys like this, like we'll have a lot of guys that can shoot the puck really well. And for a team that is maybe still trying to find its way in terms of winning the possession battle, if you can at least make the most of the shots you're getting, if you can have a power play that makes teams pay, um, you know, it's going to be a recipe for success, I think. All right, so we are almost out of time, but real quick, the Jackets have a gauntlet in front of them this week. Uh, they are home on Tuesday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Then they have a road back-to-back on Thursday and Friday uh, at Florida, at Carolina, and then back home on Sunday against the Penguins. These are four playoff teams in the East. These are lethal teams. The Jacks are going in shorthanded at goal. Going through its time right here, they've you know lost badly to Calgary. They've you know they beat some easy teams on this recent streak. What is your expectation of this week? <laughs> Expectations aren't high. Um, <laughs> you know, if you come out, if you come in with four points, that's a huge win. Yeah. You know, these are Florida and Carolina. You're talking, you're looking at the second, third best teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, Toronto, not as high, but they're up there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, what you're looking for, this is the part of the season we're getting to. They've been able to beat the teams that are bad. Yeah. They've been able to beat the teams that are beneath them. Um, which is great because it shows you that they're not a bottom feeder. Right. Um, but you're coming to the point of the season where you're more focused on the young guys developing. You want to see progress from earlier in the season. Uh, you have Florida coming up who's just crushed you twice. Mm-hmm. Um, show improvement. Yep. I'm looking for guys like Chinikov who is really, I feel like, content showed continuous improvement, um, especially over the past couple weeks. Um, he's looking more dangerous. Sillinger is continuing to play well. He's he's on the number one power, uh, penalty kill unit now. Um, and, you know, you just want to see the improvements. And I think if 
if you can come away with a couple points, that's great. Um, but and, and it kind of stinks to be in the situation, but you know, the expectations shouldn't be high as far as the, the wins, wins, losses. Yeah. Fair enough. I would say, yeah, if they got three wins out of the four games, I mean, three points out of the four games, I would take that. And to your point, I would say, yeah, just don't, don't lose badly. Mm-hmm. Keep the games competitive, respectable. Don't do these things where you're giving up quick response goals or multiple goals in a short period of time. Don't let the games get away from you. I mean, the last time they played Florida, it was 5-4 late in the second period. And mm-hmm. you figure if you can take that score in the second intermission, you got a shot, you know? Mm-hmm. But they gave up two quick goals late in the period, then it was 7-4, to four, and the game's just over at that point, you know? So avoid falling into that kind of rut against these teams. And as they showed in their third game against Carolina, like if the Jackets bring their best game, they can beat a team like mm-hmm. that. So I think it is possible this week that we can see that kind of team effort in at least one of these games. So if they can find a way to bring that kind of effort on a consistent basis in multiple of these games, then I think we can get something good, at least a close loss, if not a win. Talk about a guy like Patrick Lyonet too. These are big four games for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's on a bender. He's he's playing some great hockey. Um, you got four really good teams coming up here. Some elite players. Yeah, just just continue playing well. Um, you know, he, he's he's got to keep that confidence level up. He has the ability to play with these guys, um, and he's just he's got to continue to to do what he's been doing. Um, but this is what I love about the NHL, right? To mm-hmm. your point. They could win all four of these games. Um, <laughs> they play well. They they have a chance in all four of these games. And, you know, that's not always the case in other sports. It's not always the case on a night-to-night basis in the NHL. Right. Um, but it's it's a cool thing to to watch, especially with the confidence level um, that they've been been playing with recently, the ability to, to put up goals. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the schedule here. Um, they have 20 goals in the last three games. So keep that up, and you're going to give yourself a, a, a chance. Yep, yep. There's definitely a swagger around this team that we haven't seen in in quite some time. So, all right. Well, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. For more content from the Canon, go to jacketscanon.com. You can also follow the Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Canon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to AngelaPerley.com for more music and show dates.